0: Hey, welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall joined us all by my favorite crew: Brian Braff, Hugh Brenty, Chris McCormick. Whole crew here. Been a little bit. Been traveling all over the place, as always, boys. How we doing?
1: We're back. Yeah.
0: we're back. Travel, uh, travel has been a thing
2: the last few weeks for me, for sure. So yeah. down in uh, all over the state of Florida, RB. I know you were down there for the PGA show. I was. I was there for just a, a snippet of the PGA show, then Tampa and Naples, and good amount of time in Naples.
3: I'm uh, I'm currently traveling, and I have a, a travel tip for the week. Um, if you're going, oh, great. To travel- let's hear this. Oh yeah! So if you're going to travel with your brother and your father, um, <laughs> so I'm here for work, but uh, combining like a family trip up here, and um, don't like where's your brother- up here, Gene. Uh, Monterey, sorry, Pebble Beach. There we go. Yeah. Pebble Beach, it Pebble helped. Beach. It uh, helped. Sounds terrible. Yes, terrible. I
0: that's know. What, Burying that's the what, lead,
3: as that's, they call that's it. What, that's why you're the cat herder, Jonathan. Anyways, um, so don't let your brother book the hotel without seeing it first. I am in East Monterey that I didn't even know existed. And let's put it this way. This place puts the hoe in hotel. It is... Um, <laughs> you're gonna say you're at the days in with a z (laughs) oh no 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 that's next that's next door let's just say this room yeah there's a good chance there was a murder and a porn shoot in here hopefully not at the same time but um yeah, I li- am I'm, li- I'm living large, but I'm not lonely because I get to hear what my neighbors are doing <laughs> upstairs all the time because the walls are paper thin. But I can't We're back, it.
0: baby. We're back. We got Uncle Gene <laughs> with a on one from East Monterey. I have to make a trip down there next time I'm in the area.
3: Wow East Monterey. it? You it. I thunk it. Yeah, I know. I didn't even know it existed. It's kind of like what Steinbeck Envision Monterey like in the twenties, only it's in the two thousand and twenties. It's pretty ghetto. But anyways. Oh my God. I'll be on the course later on this afternoon, so it'll be nice and pretty. Yeah.
0: Well, there's a lot to get to, so we'll just jump right in. Why don't we start with the big story from professional golf? <coughs> Roy McRoy. Roy doing some winning, but with some wedges that were definitely not tailor-made. This is probably the biggest equipment story from, from the pro side. If you didn't hear Rory one in Dubai, but he does so with two Voki wedges a SM9 5410S, the S is their standard grind, and a Wedgeworks 5806K, which is going to be more of their, their wide sole, but with low bounce, something that somebody with elite hands like Mr. Rory, is going to be able to handle. But, boys, Vokey wedges for for McElroy. This is not surprising because he has played titles in the past. For those that maybe haven't followed his career, when he first turned pro in 07, he was a title of staffer all the way up until 2013 when he signs that. You know, it's, it's rumored nobody could ever get an exact number, but it was between 100 and $200 million. That's a pretty large gap there. But it was it was a $100-plus plus gap million gap. Dollar deal. Yeah, make a deal with Nike for the gear, also for the apparel. Um, we've seen Rory most recently use a Scotty Cameron putter, pretty similar to the one that he used to win the U.S. Open back in 2012 or 2011, right? I'm getting my, my years mixed up. Anyway, one of those years. Um, he used it at the most recent Olympics. So not unfamiliar to see Rory go outside of the tailor-made side. Define gear, but are we at all surprised that he's using bokeh wedges? He was pretty complimentary about these things in his post uh post win presser. He he said, I think the way I managed my game this week, the short game display that I put on was as good as I can remember.
1: Well, I mean, I'll all due respect to like every OEM that we always work with. But I mean, it's really hard to get players to switch out of short game clubs and i think that's probably one of the biggest things when it comes especially for rory because of his his wedge games obviously very good um and he's used them for a long time uh, i mean he if he's if he's comfortable with it he's comfortable i haven't
0: i've a chance to look completely at the stats so i'll it's I'll say been pretty I'm, been pretty like mediocre i mean his, his wedge game's never been his the best part of his game but um I was looking at his stats and he, he hasn't been all that great like in the 40s I think 40s or 50s and strokes gained around the green. So nothing to write home about. But he was at one point in like the the you know top 20 in short game. So it does make you it does make you wonder, you know. And I has think it changed because of that.
1: If if we look at if you look at like kind of the modern stats and what people really kind of analyze, obviously short game is really important. But it really comes down to how well does someone drive it and then how close do they hit it, right? Because if you're an av- – look at Hideki. Hideki is one of the best ball strikers on the planet. And when he putts well, like he did uh, last week, uh, I think it was – yeah, it was last week, he like you – no, know, he t- kind of like quietly top 15, right? But when he doesn't put well, he, it's, it's not good. <laughs> so – I think, as far as as far as Rory's concerned, and I think again, speaking not not to speak for TaylorMade, but to kind of make some assumptions here, uh, and he was using the last year's Stealth, so he's still using the Stealth One. Uh, if it's on the hat, I I think that there's there's less of a concern because I think most golfers are like, oh, Rory's Rory's a TaylorMade guys in the TaylorMade commercials. It's it's far giving like they don't care, and I, and I think that's where like kind of the nerdiness of like you see like Federer used to play like a, you know, a 15 year old tennis racket from Wilson, or I think it was Wilson, but like, again, nobody cares because it's Federer or like someone's wearing a model of shoe. And I know basketball sneaker culture is a little different, but if someone's wearing an older model shoe, it's like, well, he's wearing a foot joy shoe or he's wearing a, a Nike shoe for running or something like that. I don't, I don't think it's a massive concern for the OEMs as a whole. Uh, now if he goes out and starts playing another company's driver and starts winning and you know you don't see that that red face on a Sunday afternoon. when Rory's coming down the stretch. I think people are a little more worried when it comes to that kind of thing. But it's from an, from an overall holistic, like from the company's perspective, I think it's like, look, Roy won. He's got a big Made on his hat. They're happy.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think if if he's swinging driver and he's he's carrying the bag and he's repping the brand, like you said, on the hat. I mean, he's a tailor made guy. He's playing the ball. It's it's a tailor made staffer. I mean, I don't think there's any question about it.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. And I wrote about this in the the Monday Gear column that I do for Golf.com. If Rory is winning, everybody's happy, and and I think RBU nailed it. If if he's got the Taylor Made logo on the hat and he's swinging a Stealth driver it really doesn't matter. I mean, the rest of his setup has pretty much been pretty stagnant. I mean, he's, he's played around with the irons a little bit, but the Roars Protos have been in there for, for the most recent stretch. And, um, you know, he still has a spider putter, the wedges to me. And this is where I kind of go back to because people make a big deal about Rory going to night to Vokey wedges. And I look at it as like, how many big name athletes I I call them athletes, golfers, how many big name golfers out there are still going 14 clubs through the bag. It feels like most manufacturers give some sort of wiggle room with at least a couple clubs in the bag. Um, Now, some of those, I think were deals that were set up that way. If you look at somebody like uh, um, Scotty Scheffler, for example, who plays Voki wedges and a Scotty Cameron putter, he still plays the titles, Pro V1 ball, you know, he doesn't want to change a lot of variables. And I understand Rory's deal is different because when he signed with with uh, Taylormade back in 2017, that was for everything. else through the bag. But I would imagine with his most recent deal, the re-up that he did with Taylormade, I would I would imagine there probably is a little bit of wiggle room in there if he needs it. And you know, if it ends up being two Vokey wedges and he ends up having a career year and winning a major, it's everybody's gonna be happy.
1: what I will say is, and I think this is like an interesting thing. And I got, I got asked this recently about, you know, he's using the S grind on the, I think what 54 and then the K grind, which has a wider sole, but it's lower bounce. And, and, and Chris, I'm curious to get your take on this as well. Cause you work with a lot of pros, but what, some, one of the questions was why do pros, why do I see pros using higher balance wedges all the time? And the thing that I, I've, I told people, and again, I've worked with fewer pros, Chris, <laughs> so I, I will, I will default to you, but in general, the the thing is that higher speed players need more bounce because there's more deflection into the turf on a shot, because and they're also they have better hands so they put their hands more forward and they're hitting different shots. But in general, on those full swing clubs, and to to speak for not again yeah, not to speak for TaylorMade, but he went from a an MG3 pitching wedge back to his Rory's Proto pitching wedge. So you know he's he's got two Vokies, but he added a, a TaylorMade club back in for the for the pitching wedge. But the When you are hitting, what people don't realize is when you hit the golf ball, the club, as the ball goes up, the club actually deflects down into the turf. You can see it in like high speed camera and you don't really see it. Like, obviously you don't see it when you're hitting a shot, but you need that extra bounce because there's extra speed, which means there's more force. There's more deflection. So, you know, I think when you see people like, oh, well, you know, a lot of players don't use a K grinder. They don't use a, a, well, you know, first of all, Roy's really good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but his
0: wedges are actually uh, sorry, I'm to interrupt you. But his the two wedges have 5559 stamped on them, so they're actually bent a little <coughs> bit, a little bit weaker. That's which, true. Yeah, which would mean, and, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, a weaker loft on that would mean less bounce,
1: more bounce. Yeah, so more bounce. You you put you put the bounce. T- yeah, sorry, weaker, back. more bounce. Yeah, yeah face yeah. face goes back. Yeah, yeah, face. I, we saw the wheels turning there. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: was like, wait, I'm having a
1: moment here. But uh no, yeah, I just again, I I just think it's an interesting thing to, to pay attention to. So when people ask those kind of questions. That's what I think. But I mean, again, Chris, if if that's your experience, I'd like to hear it too.
2: I mean, it really comes down to in a fitting environment, what the player is going to be using the wedge for. Is it a is it a full swing club? Is it a specialty club? You know, how is it they use that club to hit a variety of different shots that they're looking for? So. I mean, if you have somebody that has a tendency to introduce the leading edge aggressively, like you were talking about, obviously having something that has a little bit more forgiving grind, a little bit more bounce helps with that deflection issue, like you were talking about. Um, Also a little bit of premature digging. And you'll see a lot of tour players change wedges based upon the part of the country or the part of the world that they're even playing in so that they maintain consistency with turf interaction. So you may see players that, you know, play the California swing and then they head over to Florida getting ready for Arnold Palmer and playing at Bay Hill and they make a change in their wedge setup based upon the difference in turf grass. So, I mean, something that is a little more tightly compacted, different type of grass going out to something that is loose and sandy and maintaining the ability to hit the shots that they like to see simply by changing a grind and a bounce. So it's, it's really a variety of different variables to look at. And it's number one, speed number two, what types of shots do they like to hit number three, consistency with turf interaction and number four reaction on the greens with the shot that they want to hit. So, I mean, as they start to fine tune their wedge setup, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that go into it. And these guys are testing every week at every single stop. Some of them figure out how to make it work with what they have in their bag. Some guys change literally every single round they play around the PGA Tour.
3: Chris, what would you say is the percentages on those? I'm curious. What are the guys that you just say, screw it, I'm going with what I have versus the guys that are constantly tinkering?
2: Well, I think it would really kind of come down to level of success. So, I mean, if you have a guy that's consistently playing well, And they don't necessarily want to make a change because the setup that they have is working. There's confidence there. And if you're playing confident golf, I mean, not broke, don't fix it. Right. But if you have somebody that all of a sudden starts to slide, starts missing cuts, not getting up and down as much. I mean, they may be more apt to make changes more often searching for something that gives them a little better look around the greens or with the approach shot. Right.
3: Well, uh, the reason I asked the question is from a, like a quantitative standpoint, you know, I'm really curious, does changing a wedge or turf conditions create a better implement? Or as you said, is it someone that's searching for something to get a little bit more edge in their game that they don't have at that point? And, you know, I've heard these discussions over the years, but I've never really seen evidence one way or another that kind of points to stick with what you got versus change and you will get a little bit more of an advantage or is it just a you know is it just a personality thing that you know they feel better psychologically because they have a different um bounce and grind knowing that they're going into these different conditions
2: well, it's again, I think it comes back to the player, like talking to some of the tour reps, like, uh, like KO or Kent notes from, from ping. You know, he, and he, we were talking about not to, not to throw any of the players under the bus, but he will have tour players that he works with that. I mean, they may change one, two, three. I mean, either way, less than five clubs out of the year. And then you have players on the opposite end of the spectrum that are literally doing an overhaul. I mean, almost weekly just to accommodate for the environment that they're playing in so whether that be more loft less loft different shaft uh changing fairway woods out are we throwing in a seven wood do we have a driving iron are we changing wedges whatever the case may be they are constantly tweaking every single week to accommodate their playing environment
0: yeah it's it is very interesting because people look at wedge changes and they For the most part, I think golfers just look at the brand change and they don't really consider a lot of the other variables that go into it. And I think there's a lot more that goes into it. Hopefully, fingers crossed, RB is going to be in Phoenix for waste management. Rory will be there, his first mainland tour event. So fingers crossed we can get an answer from him on what exactly is behind the change. But anyway, enough Rory talk. RB, you and I found something very interesting this morning on the USGA conforming golf ball list. Yes, yes. TXG uh, has a golf ball. This this was this one kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop. There are photos. We we now have them posted on social. Um, go check it out. Golf ball. Well, yeah, but now now there's a ball that's that's showing up on on the conforming list is one that I've never seen before. So it's, it is interesting, you know, PXG has, has, I mean, there's the evolution of PXG equipment. If you go all the way back to when they first started, they were an ultra premium brand, $500 and ironed sets. That's all they had at the time. And they quickly added in woods. And just from there, it was full complement of golf clubs. You've got woods, you've got irons, you have wedges, putters, and now we have a golf ball. I got to say I'm a little bit surprised because, you know, they, have as I mentioned, they went from an ultra premium brand and now they're a direct consumer, meaning that if you want to buy PXG equipment, you're going to buy it straight from their website, which, you know, saves a lot of costs and allows them to, we've talked about PXG a lot and, and their competitive pricing. But it does make me wonder when you look at their competitive pricing with the golf clubs, all I want to know when I see this golf ball is what are they going to price it at? $20 yeah. a dozen? Thirty dollars a dozen? Are they going to try and go after the the you know the big boys, the ones at the at the top that are you know you you got to do a lot of work to try and get any movement there. I just wonder like what is their reasoning for bringing a ball out and where does it fit in the pricing model?
2: I could see it being kind of a niche golf ball there with Zexio with the the clear ball. I mean potentially for that demographic of consumer that wants something that is i mean maybe just a little different and i can guarantee you that we're going to see a lot of them at scottsdale national which means they're going to be uh filtering into true
0: spec so i'll have an opportunity to do some testing with them that's for sure i want to cut one of these things open that's the first thing when i see it i want to know what's inside i you know i wonder where the manufacturing's happening yeah that's my that was my other question as well who's manufacturing this golf ball are they manufacturing it themselves? Is this, um, you know, we we've talked at length about you know direct consumer brands and how there are open open models for for a lot of these clubs. And RB's pointed it out in a great story that I wrote for Golf.com, talking about some of these brands that are, are essentially using the same design. It does make you wonder, like, is this is this an open model golf ball? Something that you know they they purchase and slapped a PXG logo on? Is this like proprietary, their their own thing. Um, we'll probably get some more details on that. But yeah, I, I wondered like what's the price? Who's making this golf ball? What's what's the tech? What makes it different? What you know, who are they going after with this golf ball? So there are a lot of questions and very few answers. That's all I'm gonna say.
1: I think the biggest thing with like a lot of this stuff, and I feel like Gene is sitting there quietly. Like he might've already like knows what's going on. Look at there's a smirk. Of oh funny, yeah. yeah Gene, Gene's definitely to, tested this already. He, he's not allowed to talk about all the things <laughs> that get hit by the robot. So we'll, maybe we'll, we'll I, know, I know
3: nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> I know nothing. So we'll, yeah, about this conversation. Yeah, yeah.
1: But, yeah. um, you know, I think I've said it before when it comes to, to PXG and, you know, I have, my friends in the, in the direct to consumer business, um, you know, if PXG really wanted to, they could basically destroy the rest of the direct to consumer club companies. They could offer something at different price points. They could offer something from premium to like, like, you know, more entry level if they really wanted to, because of their ability to market and their, their propensity to spend money on marketing, obviously, and manufacture. So, And, and control the process. That's the other thing too, right? Like they've got a fact, they've got an assembly line. They've got multiple assembly lines. They've, I've seen them all. So, um, you know, they've got a big manufacturing facility as far as putting clubs together. Right. So then they have manufacturing partnerships with people overseas and all that stuff. Um, but they also still have a small team. So I'm, I'm not really sure how this fits unless, you know, again, if people are aware, and I remember back years and years and years ago when, uh, Mike Nicolette and Schweigert left Ping to go to PXG. And you know, if you browse, if you were like one of the golf nerds in the equipment space and browsed all the forums, it was like, oh, there's a they're 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 first they're gonna start a this this guy from GoDaddy, he's gonna start this this golf company and they're gonna work on a golf ball. And they had a website at one point and they kind of like threw stuff up there and it was like this weird thing, and I don't know if it was because of non-compete, but you could find it on the internet. This is again, this is almost a decade ago now at this point. Um, but they never came out with a golf ball. They never officially came out with a golf ball. And now that they've got this opportunity, I think, again, I think it's part of it comes down to a little bit of, of a branding play, but you know, it's always going to come to like, what is your goal? Like, again, I, I posted something on Twitter today about like the, the crap people get sold on in the golf world. And I'm not saying that PXG is selling garbage. That's not what I'm saying. But what I mean is like there's lots of brands that have entered the golf ball business. And I think for PXG, what they're trying to do is, is target their, their, their captive audience when it comes to their equipment, which I believe they do have and they make great equipment. Um, but how does it compare to all the other golf balls in the market? Is always the question. Right? Because at this point now you have things like ping's ball namic testing. And you know, we've gone through one of our testers went through it, Nick. And you know, from his data when they put it in, it was like, you're gonna try a Wilson triad he's like, oh, I never even heard of that golf ball, right? Like the the, the algorithm doesn't care what brand it is. It's just going to spit out what's the best golf ball. And that's the cool thing. Ping does not make a golf ball. So they've come up with this thing because they do all the, this testing for their own, their own players to help recommend specific golf balls, maybe within brands that they're contracted with or anything like that, right? So as far as PHG is concerned, it's like, how does it stack up? That's my only question.
0: How does it yeah, stack it's up? Yeah, is it just optimized for PXG equipment or... Or can yeah. you play this golf ball with anything?
1: I I think that's a, I think if anything, that's just a, a wicked branding play because, you know, the golf ball doesn't care. <laughs>
0: golf, anyone who it doesn't care, but this PXG care. I mean, is, yeah. is it going to be a, a situation where they say, yeah, this is, this is designed to, to perform the best with our equipment.
1: And that would be, that would be like, you know, McDonald's French fries are designed to taste best with McDonald's fountain
0: pop. <laughs> like, right.
1: Uh, I, I mean, I, golfers I, aren't going to care either way,
0: but I, I do wonder: if, is that like, a, is that a marketing play for this?
1: Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious to test. It. I'm curious to cut it open, um, and I'm curious yep. to see how it performs. But uh, I would imagine if they're doing something and they're willing to put it out there, it's going to be good. It's gonna it's gonna match or exceed what other people have done because I I don't think they're going to try and do this and and you know take on any opportunity for criticism.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's it's certainly an interesting one to watch if it's on the conforming list, you know that it's probably not too long until the full details drop and we can start reporting and doing a deeper dive on this product, cutting it open and all that fun stuff. Anyway, all right. So as you guys mentioned, the, the three of you were in Florida last week. I was at Tory for the farmers, but I wanted to get your take on the PGA show. Because last week on the pod, we had an interview with Kayla Maids Chris Trott. and I did a you know just a quick four things that were on my mind. And one of them was, is the PGA show still relevant? Because I spoke to some people who were down there and they said, you know, the booths are all spread out. It doesn't really seem like there are a ton of people there, not a whole lot of juice. And, you know, that's just me hearing it from people that were on site. I want to know from the guys that I really trust here. You were at the PGA show last week. Like where, where does this show, where does it fit in the golf ecosystem? Is it, is it still relevant? Is it, is it gaining traction, get traction again, post COVID? What are your thoughts?
3: You want me to start? I want to hear the Go guy who had him, the robot Gino. there. Yeah. Open it up Gino. Yes. Yeah, so I brought my robot down, uh, uh foresight, um, uh, hired me to do some presentations at their booth and uh, it was, it was interesting. Um, but I did get a chance to walk around the show. The, ze- the general zeitgeist is that it was slightly down, but the numbers um, exceeded kind of some of the pessimistic expectations. That's a little glass half full, I guess you would say. Uh, my takeaway more than anything else was the focus of the show and what I saw. There are so many new simulator companies coming in, and there are so many companies like LG and Samsung, and everybody is looking at home entertainment and personalized entertainment in relation to golf. And the word I heard, whether it's true or not, is that Callaway got a really sweet deal to be in the center of the uh, show but when you walked to the Callaway booth, so in years past, the Callaway booth was always the most dominant kind of booth in the show. Now it was split into two sections. On one side of the aisle was Callaway equipment, and on the other side of the aisle was a mini driving range highlighting Top Golf. The Top Golf section had more focus than the Callaway section. And when you walked around the Callaway section, there were less clubs than I've ever seen in a, in a golf equipment booth in my 30 odd years of going to the show. And the sense was the industry is really moving towards entertainment as opposed to equipment. And, you know, I think we talked about this in prior podcasts, the, the, just the simple name change of Top Golf Callaway highlighting the entertainment aspect of the company over the equipment aspect. And it it seems like entertainment and technology are kind of the uh, they're two of the bigger bets as far as growth is concerned um, in the industry from an equipment standpoint. TaylorMade wasn't there. Um, it 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 was lacking in. Uh, uh, yeah, they've they the been there for
0: the, the last point. for the last few years. Ta- TaylorMade, fair, fair I, I point. Think, yeah. Fair point. Yeah, yeah, but. Everybody else, it sounded like seemed to be there, but, I, but that's interesting though about Callaway, how they split it up. Um, you know, it, it does make you wonder again, like what's what's the point of the of the show? I mean, if you if you go back, and this is well before my time, I, I hear it more from uh, you know quote unquote old timers, but and I don't know if I should throw Uncle Gene
3: into that. <laughs> oh, <you can>. Gene, <laughs> I've, 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 yeah, I mean, I've been going used to, to be, the show since nineteen ninety. So yeah, used to I mean, be the talk place. about some scar tissue
0: yeah. it used to be the place. I mean, it, it, that's where I mean, you look at today's media embargoes when we all, you know, drop our stories on the new products. But that used to be where the equipment companies would unveil their new products was the PGA show. And then you'd go there Absolutely. and it's like, what does Callaway, what does titles have coming? And you'd find out when you got to the show floor, um, you know, which is just totally different than than what it is now. I mean, I think the last big announcement that I remember from the show was when TaylorMade signed Tiger Woods, and there was a lot of a lot of rumors and and people wondering what was going to happen. And I had heard Tiger, and I thought, "There's no way." And you were standing there on the show floor in the TaylorMade area when they announced him. It was a cool experience to be there and and witness that announcement in person. But yeah, it, it has changed. Um, RB, what did you think?
1: I think you know from the from the product perspective and I did not do demo day I talked to a lot of people that did demo day and they said you know if you wanted to test stuff that was already in existence or you wanted to go ride a golf board or something like that great um but I I mean I chose just to spend that time you know talking to club builders and I did I played golf I'm not going to say that I didn't play golf um and like talking to people within the industry cuz I thought that was kind of like an interesting way to to go about you know, looking at kind of what was going on. Cause I've seen all the product. I wasn't going to waste my time running around a driving range, take pictures of stuff. And and to the people I talked to they're like, you know what, if you want to hit stuff, it was great, but there wasn't really anything new out there to test. And that's, that's fine. But I also, and there was a lot of like content creators out there doing interviews and all kinds of stuff that, you know, wasn't really, you know, my focus of, of being there. It was more being uh, on the show floor, which was kind of the big thing. And so As far as the the show in general is concerned, what Callaway was doing, which I think was actually very smart, is from their equipment side of things, they were doing PGA presentations, which counted towards accreditations within the system. I don't know how – I'm very unaware of how the system works. Uh, I've never been or don't plan on being a PGA tour or PGA professional. Uh, but there's, they, they get credits for educational points for fitting and all kinds of other stuff. So Cali was actually doing education seminars within their booth across from Top Golf, And, you know, I wrote a piece last or no, this week, I this week, uh, about the Disney your mind uh, as well. Yeah, Gene, you made a great point. It's, I call it, and it, you know, maybe cause I was in Orlando and all this stuff, I call it the Disneyfication of golf because 100%. Companies are creating, and Chris, you're, you're a Disney guy. See, you're in the ecosystem already. Oh, he's smiling. Already. Guy. I'm, he already, I'm already in there. But what they've done is, and what they're doing is, they're creating systems around their products. So there's, it's all encompassing. They are creating entertainment companies because you see it with Callaway. Callaway's the lead innovator in this, and all credit to to Chip Brewer, like very smart guy in the golf industry. Um, if you you go to you go to Top Golf you're hitting cali clubs you're getting travis matthew gear that it gets it's all there and you can get yourself some bud light and chicken fingers and it's great right and not only have they created that but you know if some other company wants to host an event you, you know you don't you used to see it before there were there were other oems that would hold events at at topgolf and now they don't want to because you know you're all you're doing is you're writing a check for your competitor so they've already got that system and you know top you know they built this they built it so fast so it's becoming the kleenex of Driving range entertainment. So you've got Top Golf, Top Tracer. You've got Top Golf. Someone goes to a no offense a Drive Shack. Oh, you mean Top Golf? No, no, it's a Drive Shack. Oh, let's just go to Top Golf. That's my perception of it because they have not expanded on the footprint that they they talked about years ago. But t- and t- on TaylorMade's side of things, they've got Pop Stroke with uh, with uh, TG, Tiger Woods and uh, some other investors and stuff like that. And I went to that as well. You know, I got a chance to do that one night in Orlando, and I was I was absolutely shocked by how much fun it was i'm a golf i'm a i'm a i love golf i love going out and playing nine holes of golf i like playing you know quote unquote real golf i like top golf it's fun you get to go out and like you get to play games and stuff and but you don't see a lot of kids you just you don't see it during the maybe during the day i'm always there for events or during in the evenings when there's usually a little bit more um libations flowing but it's pop golf or pop strokes sorry lots of kids it was like a little bit we're going to get a collab bit, going on little, yeah a <laughs> little bit in a little bit in the evening and no they've announced that their tailor made ceo is is part of the board on uh, at pop stroke and you pay 20 bucks to get in and then it's all you can play mini golf so families pay different rates and all this stuff and i was i was i had a blast i was with some some uh, uh, tim riley from our, our from golf.com came and, and i was uh you know played with some people from the played with my friends the txg boys we met them there and uh it was a blast it was an absolute blast and you look around and there's people of all kinds of different ages yes you had some hardcore weirdo golfers who brought their own putters all the power to them but like we had like the the putters and the the tailor-made balls that they gave us right and so you're there and you're like oh yeah like oh i could rent a spider for an extra 10 bucks to go play on the the thing and They've created this ecosystem of like, okay, well, you know, I want to go do this. I'll go to the tailor-made thing. I'll go to, the, you know, and I think they're looking at different revenue streams because at this point, Callaway's Cal- Cal- Top Golf Callaway is making more money from Top Golf than they are from equipment. But as I said in my piece, if the golf equipment doesn't perform, does this mean they're ignoring golf equipment? Absolutely not, because they they have the best players in the world using their equipment. So it doesn't matter how much branding you put into it. If you put if you're Ferrari, right, and you put race cars on the track and your cars do not perform an F1 at the highest level where people are watching and performance is the most important element of what's going on in that, that part of your ecosystem, then fewer people are going to look at your cars and really trust them. If, if Cali equipment is not performing at the highest level and all credit to John wrong, he's performing the hell out of his golf equipment right now.
4: Yes, he is.
1: Everything else transfers down the line. And I and this goes down to influencers, you know, Nulling Up has Titles. Titles has Nulling Up now and Callie got Good Good and TaylorMade has one of the former Good Good guys, Grant and Barstool and like all these other places, right? You know, I'm not sitting here asking for a, a spot in My Little Entertainment where I'm a journalist. That's not what I do. But what? But to me, it's, it's that ecosystem that they're creating that from top down and the show as a whole has become more of a a meeting place to show things off and talk through products and soft goods are a big part of it, but it is, it's the face to face, which I think is still the most important thing. And I was pessimistic going into it, but I was very impressed leaving thinking to myself, I got a lot out of that. I got, a lot more than I kind of expected. And, you know, I think going forward, it's still going to be that, but it's not the product reveal place that is anymore.
0: Well, there you go. Maybe I should, I guess I'm the only pessimist here. Only one question everybody else who is actually on site in Orlando seems to think there's still value for the PGA show. I gotta, I gotta get back to it. You know, the tough thing is is that I love Tori and it always seems to coincide with that week. Although with it being an early, an early start for that event, maybe I should just bite the bullet and do the red eye and fly from San Diego to Orlando, really mess up my internal clock. And See what the PGA shows told like. Told you anyway, we should
3: do the podcast there next year. Oh man. Yeah. Maybe we, we will. We could do it on Media Row. You yeah. know, I, there was a lot, found, was a lot going on this
0: week, or last week, I should say, with trying to get this magazine, uh, the club test issue, which will be dropping, uh, trying to get that all all buttoned up. RB is going to have PTSD it, when this time of the year rolls around.
3: <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you though, it was, it was cool. Um, I ran into probably at least eight or 10 listeners of the pot who all said thank you and they enjoyed it. So, I mean, you know, we're in the land of golf equipment sickos. So, I mean, it's like, those are our people there as far as, uh, you know, if we had a live, uh, a, a live podcast, I think we might generate like four or five randos that aren't drunk yet to sit and listen to I was us. About to say, four, four or five people <laughs> out of all the ones on the floor <laughs> that, I, I, that I sit there and listen to us ramble.
1: I will say, it bring, it tell. Like, here's a funny story. So, if, if anyone does who happens to follow me on social media, you'll see that like my my face is a cartoon, which is which is done by like a children's uh, illustrator. It does like children's books and all kinds of stuff. He does like uh, caricatures and everything. Um, he's local local guy that I knew um, years ago. So he did these caricatures of my face with a hat and my glasses on and stuff like that. Uh, but when I was walking on the floor, I didn't have my glasses on because I wasn't sitting in front of a computer screen. I wasn't wearing a hat. I met so many people who, who were, I talked, I talked for five minutes. they looked down at my thing and they go, Oh wait, you're the cartoon guy. <laughs> like I follow <laughs> social media. I was like, this is great. I'm like incognito. No one like recognizes what I actually look like, which I thought was kind of funny. Cause I, I had multiple interactions like that. Gene, everyone you're standing next to a freaking robot, man. People recognize you. You're the, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty easy to get, Oh, that's the guy with the robot. Like, you know, you're, it's like you're, you're walking around a, with a big balloon that says, I'm the robot guy. But, i just i thought it was pretty funny when i, I ran into sasha mckenzie a, you know fellow canadian we joked about him in some uh you know talked about him many times like part of the stack system with marty and i literally stood next to him talked to him for like four or five minutes said, oh they love the system blah blah blah. and then he looked down and he goes oh wait we've never met in person you look nothing like your cartoon i said oh, okay maybe i need to update <laughs> it a little bit Thanks, for, uh, it. or i guess i need to walk around with my hat and glasses on all the time but uh yeah, it, I think you know the face to face, as I said, Gene is is and is one of the hardest things to replicate. And you know, over the last few years in the show, I think it is uh, it is probably still the one of the most important. I got to get to one of those golf days, Chris. I missed out on the one uh, on Monday.
2: Yeah, I I didn't actually attend any part of the show per se, but I was invited to to play Acra Day and I hung out with the guys from Acra and True Temper and had a good old time over at Orange Tree and ended up getting a uh, a T1 with the uh with the True team and ironically uh there was a three-way tie first time in the event uh that there has ever been a tie let alone a three-way tie for first and it was True TXG and Club Champion so <laughs> oh, all tied for first i mean how ironic is that and that's that's even Aw- what the the act right very awkward. <laughs> and i we're all, we're all kind of standing there like, huh, who, uh, who saw that coming? Like the, the three top accounts for, uh, uh, for true temper and, and Acura and all of the like industry leaders in club fitting and gear. And we're just kind of standing there, staring at each other. Like, well, this is awkward. How are we going to break this tie? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> i mean i'm down throw me in there throw me in there i, I bite and scratch and pull hair i'm not scared
0: positive some positive feedback from the pga show
3: i, I, yeah, I, I'll, I'll I had a good experience
0: the... at the part that i had
3: i'll, I'll close with this which is kind of interesting a little sobering um I talked to uh, some of the people, you know, some of the execs on some of the booths, and one of the reasons they came back this year was um, the last two years in the golf industry have basically been printing money due to the pandemic and the kind of, you know, explosion of interest in the game. And uh, talking to some of the execs, they were concerned about the potential recession and a potential downturn. And so they were coming back to the show to see if they could, you know, use that as a sales channel to to generate revenue. But there was a little bit of a to-be-determined attitude towards it to see what the, you know, net result was going to be once the dust cleared and whether or not they were going to come back in 2024. So it was kind of a testing of the waters um, just to see – you know, where the economics are going to play out. So, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to kind of uh, pay attention to that and and see how that uh, manifests itself in 2024.
0: Yeah. And I know Orlando has been the site of the PGA show for a while, but with the PGA of America moving their headquarters to Frisco, Frisco keeps growing. That's like north of of the dallas Warworth Worth area and it does make you wonder I've, I've heard people question hey do you think that the pga show is going to head uh, to north dallas i don't know that's that's something else i think that i mean it's centrally located you know you can get in and out of dfw airport pretty easily i know that i know orlando's dear and dear to a lot of people's hearts or you know dallas is not orlando but i don't know something else to
3: kick around as we move forward the- the only downside is, do you want to tee it up in, in Texas right now? I mean, is it you know? No, no you tell you me. Not. <laughs> I, I'm <not. laughs>
0: Listen, I'm I'm i stand right now at my house. I've got I've got my kids who are now on. This is day two of no school, and it doesn't take much. You know, Texans are tough, but when it comes to any sort of icy precip, we're we're charmin' soft. So, <laughs> extra <laughs> soft. Just, yeah, yeah. We are we are soft. Anyway, all right. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it. I know RB had wanted to touch on shaft versus head. We'll get into it next week because I think I want to give that its it's proper time and trying to keep this one tight because Uncle Gene's got to get to Pebble. I don't feel sorry for him, but he is. Nope. I'm out. Yeah, he is, he is out. Anyway, some things that I do want to point out going forward. Um, RB and I are working on some content that will be up on golf.com later this week we are going through all of the drivers and irons and trying to at least just categorize things a little bit more difficult for irons because we didn't do robotic testing i've been going through on the driver side for robotics and trying to categorize some of these drivers that did well in certain areas you know which ones have a higher spin rate than than their you know some of their peers and lower launch and you know type dispersion and fade bias versus draw bias just to try and help golfer when you're going to test at least help you whittle down the list of potential suitors to a manageable number that you can then go to a fitter like a true spec maybe you go and see chris in scottsdale and get fit and say hey look I've, i've noticed that these drivers performed well on the robotic side for golf you know golf's club test you know maybe we start here and then you can have them sort of tell you about why these drivers could or could not be good for your game anyway just a little bit of a roadmap. On the drivers and the irons so check it out out on golf.com something else i did want to point out we have our next installment of fully equipped live we're calling this club test unpacked where rb and i are going to be doing another live zoom what could go wrong on the 9th of february that's going to be a thursday at 4 p.m eastern um for the moment, I think they're trying to just keep it to inside golf members only. If you're not an inside golf member for Golf.com, it's like dirt cheap to become a member. I think it's twenty bucks for the year, and you get over a hundred dollars worth of value. So, uh, twenty bucks over twelve months—you uh, know, do the math. It's pretty cheap. So, anyway, we're going to be doing that that fully equipped live next Thursday, four p.m. Eastern. If you want to get in on that, we'll send out the link. When that goes live, so you can get a reminder in the last one, we have an interview this week, had a chance to talk with one of the hottest golfers on the planet. I'll be Mr. Max Homa. Max in front of the pod. We are the only pod that's going to be getting Max to talk about his title skier. He's made some pretty interesting changes, especially ones leading up to his win at the farmers. He changed golf balls, um, also added a new shaft to his driver. Always fun to talk gear with Max. Enjoy the interview. All right. Well, I'm always excited to talk gear with my next guest. He's a friend of the pod and now a six time PGA Tour winner after last week's win at the Farmers Insurance Open. Max Homa, Max, what's going on, man? How are you? Congratulations. Hey, I'm,
4: I'm good. Thank you very much.
0: All right. So I want to talk about gear sentimentality. So after a win, Are you keeping a Pro V1 from a victory? Do you, if you've got a wedge, a Vokey wedge, that's starting to wear out, do you keep a wedge just to kind of remember the win? How how sentimental are you when it comes to your equipment after a victory?
4: Uh, I am not at all, but this one, it was legitimately the first time um, I saved the ball at the end. It was my first time winning a golf tournament as a dad, so I just saved saved the ball and put a little note on it. Uh, My son's name is Cam, so I wrote number six for Cam, and, um, I know he won't care, uh, but it was just something I felt, uh, inclined to do. So I did it. Um, but yeah, I've never been a save the ball type person. I think I saved my first one. And then, you know, a week later I found it in my golf bag and I'm like, why am I saving <laughs> this? I don't really, I don't really even know what to do with it. So, um, this was the first one where I, I still have it.
0: Do you foresee this becoming a, a new tradition for Cam? Each victory, you keep a ball? <laughs>
4: maybe I would that's, I, if that I if that if that is a uh, problem I need to address that'd be great uh, if I have yeah, like, so I'm many sure. golf balls and decide if he if this is necessary but um, I'm glad to at least have one I'm hoping to have uh, another one uh, this year um, but yeah I don't know we'll, we'll see it'll definitely depend um, you know once he can start noticing what things are um, and if he seems even remotely interested in it I'll just keep it going <laughs>
0: I want to I want to talk about these TPI trips that you've been taking. TPI, obviously, for people that don't know, is the Titles Performance Institute. Um, at least more recently, and I guess this is more recency bias for me, but you've made some pretty important, dare I say, game-changing equipment changes to your setup um, leading up the Tory on trips to TPI. How how long have you been doing these like early season trips to kind of do a gear tune-up at TPI?
4: Um, I think like a couple years, uh, you know, I always like to go, um, you know, at least like, well, once a year, uh, the, before Tory seems to make the most sense for me. Cause I don't typically play the Amex. So, um, you know, I'm already going to San Diego, uh, and you know, everybody, you know, typically like all the fitters are home and, and I work with JJ. So like, I, I don't know, it usually just sets up as a good time. Um, but we went last year, um, and tweak some stuff with a driver and ended up tweaking something with my 4-iron and ended up going into the T100S. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then like a month or something later, a month or two later, I ended up getting the T100. Uh And then uh the time before that, uh, two years ago, I don't think I – I think I went to TPI, but it was a little bit more brief. Um, however, uh, when we had like left, we had talked about maybe trying a seven wood, uh, yeah, that had to be two years ago. So we talked about trying a seven wood. So JJ built me a seven wood. And at the time those weren't near like quite as popular as they are now. Um, a bunch of, a few guys had been using it. Cause I remember I got the idea because of, um, Louie and Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, I played with at the PGA. Right, the championship. Seven wood. Yeah. Yeah, and I think one of them even had a nine wood. So I was like, why the heck are you guys using this? (laughs) And they were just, you know, saying how it came out of the rough so, so well. And, um, Tori was so thick. So we're like, why don't we just try that? We've always struggled. I think most pros struggle with like that gap, but it's so, such an irrelevant gap, mostly 230 to 250. Um, it really doesn't matter so much. So we only got it for a, um, for a play out of the rough to like have a club to hack out and then, I remember on the sixth hole that year, I had like 240 and I hit a seven with to, you know, something like the middle of the green 20 feet or something. It just felt so easy to hit. And all of a sudden I'm like, man, maybe this is the club that's going to, you know, replace the three iron, not just go in on weeks where it's really thick. Um, so, yeah, so it's been uh, ironic that, you know, kind of every time after going to TPI, uh one of those little tweaks or club changes or something or ball change like this year um, pays dividends fairly quickly
0: i i noticed that you you mentioned jj who's had a tour for for titles and your coach mark blackburn were there for the session and and when you have two guys like that two two guys that you trust i'm wondering what what does each bring to the table when you're trying to decide if you want to change a piece of
4: gear in your bag um, I think like, well, JJ brings like the brain <laughs> and all of <laughs> the information. Mark definitely has, you know, a good amount of information for sure, which is great. And he can kind of explain certain things. I think Mark brings more like practicality of like, hey, if we do this, like this might make this harder. Uh, whether it's like a certain golf shot, I'm going to hit, you know, hit something he knows I like to hit or, um, you know, something more like golf course driven, tournament driven. Um, and then, you know, JJ, JJ is a pretty incredible, um, he always, uh, he has an ability to almost like predict what I'm going to want. Um, and he has an ability to explain it to me. I've never been, I think I understand like most golfers, just like the basics, but I don't understand kind of the. The cause and effects of things. So he'll explain it to me so that I can start to get it. So like for this instance, this year, you know, when we made the golf ball change, he's explaining what would be tricky. Uh, and he's like, that's what we're going to look at here. But also, you know, if I start to see this, you know, on the golf course, you know, maybe, uh, you know, that, that, that would make sense and this, that or whatever. So I can kind of at least keep my eyes out for stuff because the hard part, you know, for people who aren't like complete gear nuts and, um, you know, super genius golf people is like, like myself is that when something's not working, you just immediately be like, Oh, I'm not hitting it well, or this, that, or whatever. And then in this case, when JJ can explain things to me, I feel like I at least can, uh, kind of a checklist at times and be like, okay, like that's not working. It's, it might just because we tweaked this and like that's having an effect on you know, certain shots.
0: So you mentioned the golf ball, you switched to the new 2023 Pro V1. You gained, I'm sure you've heard this already, but you gained a combined 10 shots on the field and strokes gained at Torrey with the new golf ball. It, it, when you go into a testing session and you're, you're looking at, and I was talking to Will Zalatoris recently and he mentioned, you know, the golf ball is is the engine. Um, so I know it's a really important change, but how long into that testing session at TPI did you realize Like, hey, I'm going to be making a golf ball change when I show up to Tory.
4: Probably the afternoon after hitting it. So basically, um, golf ball changes are hard because going back to like information, like I I always have to ask JJ, like, what is this supposed to do differently? Because I just don't, I wouldn't be able to notice. Um, You know, it's like such a fine line i feel like you know it's not like these things are i guess if i switched completely i would notice a big difference but with the pro v like this one especially it has the exact same feel so it's not like i could notice you know chipping putting or hitting like short irons and it's not even like i could notice a difference hitting a driver as far as the feel goes and that's obviously the first thing you would notice so there's no difference there and then so i need to like you know keep my uh attention on what you know, the little things that might change after that. So JJ basically was like, listen, it's not going to be different around the greens and it will not be, you won't notice it in short irons at all. He said, I want to see if like the six iron and four iron, um, if it drops the spin uh, too much. Cause he said, it is when you get further up in the bag, it's going to drop the spin a bit. And he goes, it'll be great for the driver, but we want to make sure that the four iron and six iron can still kind of stay in the air and, and you can stop it on the green. And, um, so we got to six, six didn't change at all. And then the four iron did drop a bit and we, you know, I could see those two, him and Mark a little bit concerned, you know, and then I started, they're like, Hey, try to hit one real high so I try to hit one high. And once I showed, I could hit a high, they're kind of like, okay, um, you know, it's, it's down, but you if you can hit that shot, blah, 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 you'll be fine. And, um, so I took a box, um, after, and then the driver was great because, you know, you want, I wanted a little less spin as, as a lot of golfers do so that one you know it was fit it fit perfectly for the driver so then that day we went I went and played nine holes at Rancho Santa Fe Country Club with uh Joe and um a couple buddies Dave Fish who's a member and we went up to I remember I was just playing and I, I wasn't really thinking much about the golf ball uh really and then I got to eight and all of a sudden I had like a you know, 230, uh, way up a hill, uh, front pin. And I like hit this big high four iron and I stopped it real fast. And I looked at Joe and I was like, oh, okay, you know, I was like, I was kind of like the first test. Like, could you do it? And, uh, it was, it was fine. So I, uh, you know, I called JJ, said, hey, I'm going to use the golf ball. All good. Um, and then, uh, lo and behold, you know, I hit two of the best four irons of my life on 11 and 16 on the final round. And I didn't, you know think of that at all obviously while i'm playing but when i was done i was like dang that's (laughs) that's pretty ironic and and cool to see that you could throw the golf ball in and i hit one on 11 where i threw it as high you know kind of as high as i could with spin and then on 16 i wanted one to be kind of flat and and get through the wind a little bit and and they so i don't know that was great but um you know the golf ball is an interesting one you you make these little tweaks and um you, you, I, in my opinion, you just have to know what you're supposed to be looking for because I don't think that unless I switch to like the dash or, or uh, you know, even if I, like I was playing like a different maybe a different brand of golf, well, I don't think it's easy to notice like anything right off the jump. Yeah,
0: well, you mentioned little changes. I also know that you made a driver shaft change. You went into the the new Mitsubishi Tensei One K Black. I'm sure you know all about the, the materials and the specs on that being, being the gear nerd that you, you are, but, but I'm just, I'm curious about, about the, the shaft change. Did it just happen to kind of coincide with as you're testing driver, it's like, all right, maybe there's something that we should would try kind of how did that come about that you decided to change driver shafts? Cause I know you, you were on fire last year with, with that driver setup.
4: Yeah, it was really scary to change and I didn't do it on purpose, but uh, I asked JJ, I've been, This is just like psycho dumb golf stuff, but I've been um, curious about and maybe like slightly frustrated at times about my my distance off the tee because my ball speed is quite high on average. But um,
0: where are you typically with ball speed? I'm just curious.
4: um, On the golf course, it seems like it was sitting at like at home. I'm like 76 to 78, but when I watch the tournaments, it seems like I sit pretty comfortably at like 78 when I'm like able to, you know, just hit a normal, a normal drive. Um, So like, and, and they, you know, what JJ will do sometimes is he'll show me like, Hey, here are your ranks amongst your, you know, the top 50 and I'll be, you know, something like top seven to 10 on ball speed average, but I'll be, um, you know, bottom 10 on like launch angle and spin so he's like that's why I went into the wind blah blah blah. it doesn't go that far so I was like oh I'll mess with it but like I was scared too because I drove it so well last year and um but I was doing like uh I was I was just testing on my own at home and just using my like you know track man and quad and not really paying too much attention just seeing if one knocked it down if one of them was more stable if one of them could handle like I was also doing a little bit of speed training and to see if we could handle it, and I threw the tensei black in there, and all of a sudden I was like, whoa! Like I was swinging really, really hard at it, and the spin wasn't going up when I nearly as much. When it was more on miss hits, it didn't change my my good ones all that much, but my miss hits, some you know, were getting to with my driver. They'll get up to you know, or my old shaft, thirty-three hundred maybe, and then this one was sitting like a lot closer, like twenty-nine to three. 3,000, so I was like, oh, there's, like, more mishits. The, the good ones were the good ones. They were dead nets the same, but um, I was, like, intrigued by that, especially because, you know, at that time, I was into trying to just see how hard I could hit it for a week or so, and uh, I don't know. I was just impressed that it didn't change because sometimes when you swing smooth or, like, normal at it, it won't carry enough spin, but when you go to the smash one, it'll it'll be perfect, but I don't hit that big one more than, I mean, at most once a day. So um, I wanted my normal one to still be good, but it was like able to hold the uh, the big one uh, in pretty well. And th- so that was that was worth at least trying at home for a bit. And I didn't ch- see anything change in my ball flight, really. So I was like, OK, this is this will just be a good little hybrid, too. If you ever do want to smash it, you know that if I if you miss hit it a bit, it won't it won't get completely crushed. Got
0: Two more questions for you. Both both very important I know you won four hundred bucks at Muni Skins Day right after your win at Tory. I I, I want to know: do do you roll in with the staff bag just to let people know who they're up against, or do you do you bring a more subdued golf bag to the course when you're when you're playing with the boys?
4: Um, well, I, when I used to play in that thing, uh, or or like during the summer a lot, we would walk um, to get some exercise. So obviously, I don't bring it then. Uh, but yeah, I mean, anytime I ride, I bring my staff bag. I just don't want to switch it out, but it's definitely not to show people. <laughs> that I have a bag. It's just like, it's just, it, it's, it's not very fun to switch out your golf bag. You know, you always...
0: It is a pain. All right. Last last but not least, LeBron is getting close to passing Kareem. And I want to know from you, who's the goat of all goats? Is it LeBron or Jordan?
4: Oh, basketball goats, man, that's super hard. Um, I've, this is going to be a runaround answer so I don't get killed by one side, but... um <laughs> I think that's really what's really tricky is comparing general cross generations is as yeah. hard as I've gotten older. I've realized that it's just, it really is a waste of time, but it's the beauty of sports. We can argue about this all the time. Um, it's really hard to argue against like the number one in points of all time. And he's about to be top five and assist all time. That's pretty remarkable. That's um, but obviously Michael Jordan has gone to the final six times and won six times. And, I think it comes down to um, there are best, greatest, uh, and you know, winningest champions of all time, and I think you could bracket there in something like that. Michael Jordan's the most remarkable I've ever watched. He's the most he made the basketball beautiful. I, I love LeBron James. I don't think he makes basketball beautiful the way he sees the floor makes basketball beautiful, but like just the grace Michael Jordan had was different. So I think you feel something when you watch. Michael Jordan, like you felt something maybe more. I don't know. I think he he got people to like jaw on the floor drop. But I, I'm enamored by LeBron. I I don't know who I would say is the best, but I mean statistically, I just think that LeBron James will go down as like, like I think in fifty, sixty years. When kids never got to see either, if people never got to see either of these people play, and you saw statistically what LeBron James did, I think it would be pretty hard to argue. Um, but, you know, the eye test does matter at some point. So I'm going to not answer that, but statistically, what LeBron James has done is, I just think it's like unmatched.
0: You'd be an amazing politician, Max. <laughs> I, I
4: hope not. I, I, I don't hate anything <laughs> politics.
0: So. No, I'm just saying because because your your answer you were right. You 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 didn't you didn't tick off either one of the sides, which I think is exact. Yep, yep. That's, so
3: hard to answer.
0: It is. It is, and I hate putting you on the spot, but it's like I know I know you're a Lakers guy. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 always fun to kind of talk about Jordan versus LeBron, especially as you know LeBron's getting closer.
4: I feel like it's the Tiger Jack nicholas thing. Like I, I oh, yeah. unequivocally, will say it's a Tiger. However, like Jack has eighteen majors and 19 seconds in majors, so it's just the I don't I don't value everything off championships, especially in a team sport in a. In a professional golf, you know, way then the championships matter a, a whole lot more. But I just have never put all the stock on planet Earth into into just like championships in basketball or just Super Bowls in football. Like it just doesn't yeah. seem fair. There's so many other people playing.
0: <laughs> Bigger body of work. No, I, I totally agree. Awesome, Max. This is fun, man. Thanks again and congratulations on the win of the Yeah,
4: thanks, J-Wall. Appreciate
0: you do Take care. All right, and thanks again to Max for the time. Again. Max is one of the best guys around, open, honest. That was a great interview. As always, if you want more gear news, check us out on social media. We are at equipped on Twitter and at golf on Instagram. Thanks all for listening.